0: Rudolph Money Day Westwood. Hermes. You. Lots of Christian <laughs> Perry. And I bought them at Marks and Spencer's in London, which is not exactly um, Shoe Heaven.
1: And they have had to be consigned to Shoe Heaven now. Shoe Heaven is not where you think it is.
2: Find it by going underground.
3: So we descend. Is it in the basement? Yes,
4: it's uh,
2: into the basement of the Musée de la Mode at the Louvre in
4: Paris. Minus two level. It's only part of our collection is here because, uh, you know, the square meter in Paris is very expensive, so. <laughs> There's a
3: whole um, cult of the shoe which is really fascinating. Shoes from the earliest times have been treated as status symbols um, but also as objects of um, symbolism.
5: During the winter solstice, the ancient Greeks burned old shoes hoping the smell would keep demons away.
3: In the Bible, um, it's noted that the Israelites used um, a shoe to symbolise a contract.
4: I'm doing kilometres every day for, you know, keeps <laughs> you <laughs> very fit.
3: In the medieval period, people would send um, sandals um, to the Pope to symbolise a, um, a bond or a contract. Uh, shoes became associated with luck As and comfort. well, if you're not wearing high heels, <laughs> <Right>. you're <laughs> exhausted.
1: Shoe money is the special money that doesn't count because you spend it on shoes. I've
6: got the blues, yes, it's true. What can I do? I'm going to buy some shoes, they rose and
4: rose. It's a kind of uh, sociological <laughs> fact uh, that there is a, uh, yes, a need. To buy shoes, and seem that we, we feel better after that.
1: Money spent on shoes works like dog years, and that one shoe dollar is worth about five or ten normal dollars.
4: Probably, uh, women buy more shoes than they really wear, and. I think that if we had the opportunity to do a specific study on that, we will be very astonished to see that uh, usually in the wardrobes, women have more evening shoes, for example, elegant shoes, high-heeled shoes, than everyday shoes. And of course, that these very special shoes, they don't wear them; they wear them once uh, for a special occasion. I think the the fact that of buying and possessing is more important than wearing them.
7: Walk
3: right into a jewellery shop I can't afford a portable, what can I do? You've kept
1: your shoes. Yeah. You don't throw them out? Oh, I do. I do throw them out. <laughs> I buy a lot. But the good ones, I really look after them. And if I really love a pair of shoes, I hardly ever wear them, which is a little bit contradictory, but true. I've also got quite a few old shoes. When I was a student, I used to shop a lot at markets and charity shops and that kind of thing. Some amazing 1920s um, glassé kid shoes with those beautiful waisted heels and diamante buckles, which I'd never worn. They're in a box in my mother's attic. Just I like to know they're there. So we have
2: the light. Yes. With beautiful shoes and plain shoes, all loved by someone and all lovingly made, rest in peace. Laid out in rows of sliding drawers.
4: This is um, a very nice collection of shoes uh, by Chanel that have been made for Hélène Lazareff. Hélène Lazareff was the founder of the Elle magazine. And uh, as you can see, she had a very small foot and she adopted the Chanel uh, bicolor. This difference, this opposition, uh, made the foot appear longer and thinner. So she had, um, as you can see, uh, one, two, three, six, six pairs of Chanel with different shapes of heel. And different colors of uh, shoes: uh, burgundy, black, uh, gold.
6: gold. Oh, absolutely! It's a curse and a blessing. It's once you get become obsessed with shoes, that's that's the way it goes. You have to, and you have to have passion to do it. It's very difficult.
4: Shoes are a utility accessory, but it's maybe our way of uh, being in touch with the earth. It's our way of uh, constructing our body and our gesture. So I think that uh, shoes have a, a huge influence on who we are and how we construct our person, not only in society, but even for
6: ourselves. Well, it's very interesting, very, very interesting. It's shoe land, you know, that's where it all happens if you want to be in shoes. Italy's the place.
8: Thank you. Where do you look
3: for shoes?
6: Everywhere. Well, they have the culture, they have the the background, they still have skilled labour for hand-making. You know, even though shoes are made in a factory, there's still a lot of things, most things done by hand. I mean, they're assisted by machine, but the people... Paris
1: is wonderful. Paris is really wonderful. Uh, London is great. I've never found New York very good for shoes. uh,
6: very Paris and London would be my favourite. So that's why you know they're famous for making very fine, beautiful shoes, isn't it, the Italians. They have the labour force, they have the passion, they have the background, they have all the infrastructure, which is probably the main thing, and the culture for understanding beautiful and fine shoes. Ladies, footwear, derby tie, gilly tie, two-bar, court, bow court, gusset court, buckle court,
2: slingback court, ankle straps...
4: Up. I don't know if we can say that every woman is a kind of Imelda Marcos, but there is something of that. And did you want to pay cash or charge for this one? i uh, charge, thanks. No worries.
3: How many pairs are in your own closet?
6: I don't know, I guess
1: 50. Well, I've estimated it at 70, but I haven't really got a clue. Um, there's quite a few back in England in my mother's attic.
9: Just to sign just and my
1: nieces have now taken some from me that I've already had for 20 years which they're wearing and longer than 20 years actually which they are now wearing Um, and then I've got you know the summer ones which are still put away for winter I haven't got them out yet so I honestly don't know how many pairs
2: those sandals
9: A single sandal is certainly from the New Kingdom and would be about uh, 3,300 years old, something like that. And I'm not sure about the child sandals. I think they may be later. They may even be Roman period, which is the beginning of our era, 2,000 years ago.
2: Those sandals.
5: I told Nefertiti not to wear those sandals. She loves them. She won't listen to me. They flick silver about as she walks. But she slips on them every few steps.
9: Ladies of standing used to wear anklets and sometimes highly decorated ones, inlaid in many, many colors.
5: My darling's pregnant again. She won't listen to me. This afternoon, she was walking behind me, down the path to a pleasure kiosk by the river. I had my hands full, six-month-old Anki wriggling in my arms, twisting her head to hoot in my neck. My wife carrying tartan who should have been walking. I told her she'd slip.
9: I think I can visualize how these sandals were worn. I think I can uh, see these sandals walking over the limestone pavements of uh, palaces and temples and, and maybe tombs.
5: A slave had to lift my wife to her feet. I have two hands, not Hutton's hundred. She won't listen to me. Tonight, she limps beside me to dinner. In those sandals.
10: Well, so let's start with physiology, I suppose. Uh, Women's feet, their ankles are always much narrower than men's feet, and their feet generally are narrower. The skin is softer, softer leathers. Men, tend to have quite broad ankles and heels and generally have broader feet. So what men and women like covering their feet are two completely different (laughs) things. There are letters that I would use for men's footwear that I would never use for women's footwear. And also, the type of shoe that a woman wears, because of its heel height or whatever, will change her posture, change the shape of her leg and the way that she carries herself. But with men, those aspects rarely come into play.
2: Let's try it with the music and see
7: how it is. Some feet are similar in that when I'm doing, say, musical theatre... I always ask them if they've been classical dancers or if they're modern dancers. Because a classical dancer really likes to have their feet almost bound. So it's always finding out what sort of dancer they are actually makes a really big difference to how I make the feet of the shoe.
6: I got all tangled up there. Do
3: you see something has happened to their feet by wearing oh, by
7: ballet shoes? Oh, shoes, in yes. Pointe yes. shoes. Usually they've crumpled their metatarsal heads, which are sometimes called bunions. They've shortened their big toes or all their toes by being up on the top of them. Um, yeah, basically they've really stuffed up their feet. Mm. Depends how young they went on to point. Modern dancers are different because they quite often will dance barefoot. So they've got really strong feet. And a tapper will require something different again. Oh, the tap foot's quite strong. Yeah, strong and broad and really flexible ankles.
8: Who's that walking around here?
10: Mercy. I had a customer this morning. She has a real problem feet. She was flustered. She saw the shoes, they're beautiful. She had an orthotic, she put the orthotic in. Oh no, the shoes aren't going to work. My first reaction was, they're fine, just put your foot in. She put a foot in, she walked around, and completely changed her whole demeanour. It was like a wave just washed over her, and that stress just sort of flushed itself out the door.
7: What
2: is it, your feet's too big? <laughs> Don't love you because your feet's too big.
6: Yes, your feet's too big. <laughs> you know that one?
8: don't want you because your feet's too big.
6: I don't know it very well.
8: Can't use you because your feet's too big. I really hate you because your feet's too big. Yeah.
3: Do people have different size feet?
6: Yeah.
3: Generally, which one is bigger? Or?
7: Usually the side you use more, if you're right handed, right foot. It's actually odd if people have exactly the same.
8: Sounds like baby pattern. Baby elephant pattern, that's what
7: I call it. It's interesting
3: that feet, particularly for women, the desirable quality is to be small. Certainly the shoes that have survived are small sizes, and I don't think it's because people were just smaller in um, the 18th and 19th century. I think it's because, as in a shoe shop today, which only displays the small size, people tended to preserve small shoes that to them looked more attractive.
8: Your, uh, your pedal extremities really are obnoxious.
4: Maybe we can look at some extravagant ones of the 50s, 60s by uh, Roger Vivier. Mm, wonderful. Roger Vivier is one of the most famous shoe designers of the 20th century. He, he made the shoes for Dior, for Christian Dior, for Yves Saint Laurent, and for many others. He was a real artist. He took inspiration from art, from painting, for example, or from other civilization. And with his shoes, he inspired fashion designers. For example, you can see those amazing velvet shoes of the 70s, completely embroidered. This is a very fabulous heel. I don't know how to describe this. Completely covered by a fine embroidery of uh, very, very small white beads on tulle, embroidered on tulle. Who again were some of the people who would wear these shoes of Russia again? year? Anyone with uh, some money <laughs> and some taste. Opera
2: Slipper. The term is applied to any dress slipper for women, usually having a high heel, a whole or circular vamp, made of satin or any other fine fabric, or of high-grade kid calfskin or patent leather, usually ornamented with beading, embroidery, etc.,
1: Marilyn Monroe used to have a centimetre sawn off one of her stilettos, which gave her walk that wonderful wiggle.
3: I think it's interesting to see how um, enduring these high heels are. I mean, the stilettos, the style is called tough chic and fashion editors talk about them being, you know, the perfect post-feminist wear and women uh, supposedly can wear stilettos and not feel um, like they're compromising themselves at all. Um, I don't, but <laughs> many do.
8: Put on your high heel sneakers
1: the oh. shoes I low the ones where you have to cling on with your toes. I call it the koala toe grip. And you sometimes see girls trudging down the street in these shoes that just don't work. And on the fashion catwalk you see it too. And these poor little toes are splaying out at the front, clinging on for dear life. Terrible.
7: Oh,
1: it's just a bit of a dress up to wear a bit of a heel and Naomi Campbell, supermodel fell on the runway in a very short skirt um, I actually sprained my ankle very badly <laughs> was in a pair of platform shoes that was a shoe related injury I tripped on a um, curbstone and you know, would just go over I think pla- platform shoes are dangerous they are really ugly I can't believe I'm wearing them but there's something about platforms. I think it's just making your le- that they make your legs feel longer. I think that's why we keep going back to them. But Also, I know drag queens wear a lot of platform shoes as well. I think it's something empowering about them. You
3: know, I could see 120. I mean, I wouldn't be bored with it. My body may not last that long. But I hope I die with my high heels on
5: Pop stampede kills 54 in Belarus, June 1st, 1999. During a sudden storm at an open-air concert, a crowd of around 2,500 rushed for cover into a passage leading to an underground station in Minsk, crushing those who fell. 42 of the 54 dead were girls wearing high-heeled shoes that apparently caused them to stumble and fall in the rush.
0: I've got one pair of really sad shoes and I do feel very sad about these shoes. I bought a pair last year of Ferragamo oxidised silver patent shoes with silver buckles on the front. They're the most expensive shoes I've ever bought. They're high. And by the time I got to them, they were only available in a half size too small And I thought it wouldn't matter. And I thought it wouldn't matter because my foot was cool at the time when I tried these bloody shoes on. And they said they would stretch them for me, and they did. Well, they did not stretch more than about a millimetre. And every time I have worn them, they have been so tortuous, they have made me weep from pain. I can take three steps in them, and then I'm completely hobbled.
1: That seems to be the hardest thing. You can find a a fantasy shoe to wear for one night... feel like another fairy story then you feel like the little mermaid you know she comes she falls in love with the prince and she comes out of the sea and she gets legs but she walking on her feet' like walking on uh, broken glass and razor blades because she should really be a mermaid with a tail so you know the kind of shoes that make you feel like that you can find those and you can find you know weekend clumping around in shoes but that elegant but comfortable everyday shoe with a heel about two inches high seems to elude everybody. Number four,
9: there we are. Many shoes
6: going
4: on. The art of shoes. Here we have a series of um, children's small shoes of different mm, ages and different periods. And uh, you can see some very Delicate ones entirely made out of ribbon with uh, what we call a rosette. And as you can say, they are completely new. I mean, they are, it's as if they have never been worn. I think that the, the the first leather shoes are certainly the, the mark of the socialization of a children because it's the, the proof. That the child is uh, is not an animal anymore. <laughs> he walks on his uh, uh, two feet. So I don't know if the parents are uh, aware of this, but um, maybe it could explain this attachment to this particular first uh, leather shoes. Bus, bus, bring a
1: bell. <laughs> I think it's probably the same old story: young child with a pair of shoes and taking them to bed at night not
5: wanting to take them off or keeping them on the pillow. Shoes weren't a big part of my life until I was 12 or so. Most of my early life was spent barefooted. I uh, seem to remember going barefooted even when the temperature was 100 degrees Fahrenheit. When I first went to high school, which would have been in about 1930, I went barefooted. And at Sydney High School, even though the Depression had started, almost everyone else, in fact, I think everyone else, wore shoes. And I was somewhat embarrassed by not having uh, a pair of shoes or not wearing them at school.
8: Though you're graceless and and tattered and torn
2: This little piggy went to market This little piggy said home This little piggy had a recipe. This little piggy had none This little piggy
6: none
10: The first pair of shoes that were memorable for me were was it was like an orthopaedic boot. I was pigeon-toed.
2: Where are you? Fairyland.
7: Fairyland. Right. Mm. And that Hans Christian Andersen story, have you read that? The Red
2: Shoes is a tale of shoes and the sin of vanity.
7: About the little girl and she's with her blind grandmother...
2: Poor orphan girl who has gone barefoot and worn shoes made of rags.
7: For her confirmation, she is allowed new shoes. And goes to the shoemaker and the grandmother says a pair of black shoes and the local sees a pair of red shoes and she says to the shoemaker, the ones I want. You know, like, don't listen to Granny, she can't see. And so then she actually gets the red shoes
2: and wears them to church, scandalising the congregation. The shoes assume a life of their own. They begin to dance and take her with them through forests and fields and towns by day and by night.
7: And they just keep dancing and 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 dancing.
2: Near the church door, an angel appeared who said, Dance you shall. You shall dance in your red shoes until you are pale and cold, till your skin shrivels up and you are a skeleton. You shall dance from door to door, and wherever you find proud, vain children, you must knock at the door so that they may see you and fear
7: you. Dancing, 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 on and on she danced. Until she couldn't bear it no more. Dancing and dancing her off into the forest, where she eventually comes to the wood chopper and says to him, Just chop them off because she can't get the shoes off.
2: And he did, and the shoes danced right away with the little feet into the depths of the forest.
7: And then he makes her a pair of wooden feet. That's the most horrendous story.
2: Red shoes. Ruby red shoes to walk the yellow brick
0: road. Two pairs of red shoes I have a pair of red suede loafers and I have a pair of much naughtier cheekier shoes which are red Robert Clergerie shoes they're lace-ups they've got a very very high instep an incredibly pointy toe a lot of hand stitching and a fabulous sort of cut out Louis style heel but it's a kind of Clergerie twist on a Louis heel
2: Shoes with red heels were worn by French aristocrats during the reign of Louis XIV.
6: What do you reckon that story? I mean, what does it, I what think you have to obey with? the I think you have
7: to obey the rules is what I think. You don't wear red shoes to church. You don't, you know, disobey your grandmother for a start.
4: Red shoes.
0: Red shoes make me feel red shoes. cheeky. And assertive and confident, especially if you wear them in contrast with something very sober like black or grey. But both pairs of shoes provoke the most extraordinary reactions from people in the street. When I wear those shoes, strangers talk to me and they say the most extraordinary things. They always say things like, On the yellow brick road, are you? Or, Off dancing? <laughs>
10: constantly have people asking me for Dorothy shoes. I've made Dorothy shoes for weddings for people and I actually made for someone's birthday party some Dorothy shoes where they dressed as Dorothy and came into the shop in kind of the, the Dorothy outfit waiting for me to put the shoes on and transform them and let them walk down the, the yellow brick road.
5: Ring a good! Bring a
2: Do I get to read the one about the
0: red soul?
5: Bring your dark eyes.
0: Oh, I love that. Little witch. Oh. But I do think that the red has some kind of connotation of lasciviousness or of a loose character or of a wild nature that Because of the story of the red shoes, people seem to think that if you are wearing red shoes, then you might be someone slightly possessed, slightly crazy, with a slightly alternative way of looking at things. Unpredictable. And what's in store for a woman who wears red
3: shoes? Trouble.
5: (laughs) (laughs) You're the way she looked in those red
2: shoes. Christian Louboutin designs beautiful shoes with a difference. Red shoes. They have red soles that are seen only when you walk behind. Red they are follow me
7: shoes. Red sauce.
3: The red riding hood, red shoes.
7: It's a lot of red stuff. Yes. yes, stroppy women sort of thing, maybe.
2: Yeah. Charming Prince Prince's daughter, but she was lost and fleeing back to the Cinderella by midnight, leaving behind a slipper.
8: Cinderella,
2: a
1: cappella. Cinderella, a cappella.
3: Cinderella is very interesting because the, the the desirable shoe is a glass slipper. It's not a leather slipper or a silk slipper. It's glass, and I don't know why, but that's something magical about that, isn't it?
8: She left her. Glass slipper She left her classy, glassy slipper A version
3: of Cinderella apparently appears in Chinese culture. In European culture, it turns up in the 17th century. Made of glass. Is that right? In the early versions, it wasn't a glass slipper. It was just a shoe.
2: The prince sought the foot that would fit the small and elegant shoe to become the prince's bride first the stepsisters claimed it was theirs, hacking off parts of their feet and filling the slipper with blood.
1: My mother was absolutely rabid on the subject of us not ruining our feet. She did ballet as a girl and did bend her toes so we had to wear really daggy school shoes but I'm now very grateful for that because I can wear strappy sandals. So I would say to girls up to the age of Sixteen or so, don't be an ugly sister. Don't force your shoes. your feet into shoes that are too small for you.
8: She had two two sisters. She had two two ugly sisters who would not let her go to the ball.
9: Cinderella.
2: Cinderella. Grim tale that we know so well.
8: She left her. Glass slipper, she left her classy, glassy slipper She left in such a rush from the ball
5: Like Cinderella, who lost her shoe running home from the ball, Mrs Evdokia Petrov lost her shoe on the tarmac of Darwin Airport as KGB operatives attempted to drag her back to Moscow.
2: Each time two doves cried out, that is not the right bride. The slipper is much too small. Blood is flowing inside. The shoe does not fit her at all. Finally, the right girl and the right foot are matched, and the prince recognized Cinderella as the beautiful maiden who danced with him at the ball. Fair maiden and true. No blood in her shoe. She is the bride with the prince at her side.
1: I had a version of them. One of the things I can first remember really craving, the first material object I really wanted, was a pair of plastic mules that were high heels for little girls. I was obsessed. My mother didn't want me to have them. She didn't think little girls should wear high heels. She gave in in the end. I think they snapped. But they were based on the Cinderella shoe.
7: Isn't that what you think every time you go and spend a lot of money on a pair of shoes? that it's going to change your life.
2: This the shoe being a symbol of the, the fact that the prince is Cinderella's match, is her perfect mate, her soulmate. And it's, it's the psychological journey that the prince has to make to overcome his pride in marrying a pauper. He doesn't actually rescue her. He, he has to come to her in a humble way and put the shoe on her foot, so the shoes represent the fact that these two are the perfect match.
3: Did she pass the the slipper test? test? Yes, 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 yes.
9: yes.
2: Cinderella a cappella. If the shoe fits.
8: Two impressions are generally left behind at most crime scenes, and they're always either a major part of the investigation or they might be just a minor part. But they all of the little bits and pieces that add up and put the jigsaw together help the investigators to firstly determine the direction their investigation is going in, and secondly to either eliminate suspects or show that a certain suspect is more likely than anyone else to have committed the crime.
4: I don't
2: remember the shoe plot. The shoe
8: plot. Depending on the surface where the crime occurs, whether it's outdoors, where you might have shoe impressions left in mud or dirt or soft you know, grass and so forth. Indoors, obviously in carpet, if it's been a violent crime and there's blood inside the crime scene and people walk on the blood and then walk on carpet or liner or tiles or whatever the case may be. And we have all sorts of chemicals... And advanced lighting techniques where we can pick up the shoe impression, which has been left by blood. This is how O.J.
5: Simpson was, um, it was the key piece of evidence in the O.J. case. He wore a particular pair of Italian-made boat shoes, the print of which was left outside the house. And apparently he denied ever owning a pair. And then they went to the man who made them for him. He said, yeah, he's been a customer of mine for years.
2: <laughs> the shoe plot thickens.
7: Well, that's actually the term that we use, is what the shoe plot is. like what somebody's shoe plot is, is the way that it goes. Ah. And whether they've got a pair that they're using in the first half that then they go use in the second half.
8: Cheche le shoe. Can happen if there's a fairly violent crime as well, and uh, the offender and the victim might have been struggling prior to the offender leaving the premises, and a shoe might be left behind, which of course makes life a little bit easier. They don't normally have people's names and addresses on them though, but uh, at least if we're looking for a one-shoed band just would not be able to find them more easily.
5: A gum shoe. It's a private dig. The phantom himself only gets
7: one pair of boots.
5: French. Woman to ashes and a single slipper. You
7: see, shoes.
2: You know, walking. This is where this character would walk. Dot 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 dot.
5: French police scientists are investigating the first suspected case of spontaneous combustion. An elderly woman was reduced to a small pile of ashes at a slippered foot while sitting at home in an armchair. <laughs>
8: At the Forensic Services Group, now a, a new vehicle which is called uh, MERV, which stands for Major Incident Response Vehicle. On that vehicle, we have a computer program which appropriately is called Shoe. And that will have a whole database of shoe sole patterns. At a very early stage in the investigation, we can go to the crime scene, record a shoe impression. Get the database going and look at it, and it'll tell us what brand shoe it is and where it was manufactured, and perhaps the colour of the upper part of the shoe.
7: And then the other thing is, we have the shoe bible, which has what all the shoes are going to be.
2: He's very curious. I guess so.
7: The ensemble get more shoes quite often because they change more often because they're coming on as different characters.
5: A shoe plot. In the granny murders case on Sydney's tranquil North Shore, the suspect was eventually tied to the case by a footprint left behind at the crime scene, which matched a shoe in his wardrobe. Cherchez le shoe. If the shoe fits, wear it.
10: people will, their shoes will be in pristine condition six or seven years down the track. Other people will just totally trash their shoes, you know, it might be the way they walk, they could be really heavy on their feet, they'll be worn out. It depends on the the personality and the way they walk and the way they carry themselves.
4: The smell is very important, but I think it's more than the smell, it's the the use, it's the, the, the memory of the time, it's the memory of the gesture. The memory of the, the the body who suffered, for example, in this uh, box.
6: It can make you play roles. It can make you feel tougher. Make you feel taller, bigger, meaner. What a, I don't know, sexier. Shoes make a big difference to the way people feel about how they, you know, they dress. So I guess obviously,
4: I think it is linked with the soul. If. <laughs> if you can say this and the fact is that when you wear and everybody can experience this when you wear shoes new shoes for example the first time you wear shoes and you are not really comfortable in them your mind is completely taken by your shoes and uh, I think that yes that shoes not only make you being different but make you acting differently completely there is, a, yes, there is an influence on, on the, your mind, on who you are, more than only what you want to show of you.
1: People seem to have a very emotional attachment to their shoes, far more than we would have to a sweater or a pair of trousers.
10: For some people, footwear is your connection with the earth. Maybe it's on a metaphysical level, but, but just purely on a physical level has some sort of bearing on on your outlook. It could have something to do with it's that furthest part of your body and generally our connection with our feet is pretty remote. You know, I can't help but notice people's feet when I'm at the beach or something and I look at my feet and I think are in such good condition and everyone else's feet is in the skin is traumatized or it looks like they've been wearing uncomfortable shoes and and somehow you know you can see in the wrinkles in their forehead or whatever the case may be.
4: Among all the accessories that are part of the the human clothing or the woman clothing let's say shoes have a, a very specific place not not because they are absolutely necessary (laughs) for <laughs> to walk, but because I think they are shoes um, are necessary for the psyche, for the soul of a of a person. And in France, we know that um, most of the marketing studies or the consumer studies show that um, there is a very special, strange relationship between women. And uh, the shoes, buying shoes, and um, it seems that uh, when women don't really, when they are a little unhappy in their life, they they buy shoes and they buy more more shoes than they really need.
2: (laughs) If you enjoyed this documentary, you might like to listen to our other documentary on One Productions. Visit rte.ie/DocOnOne.